Welcome to the Teacher Interview Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Creasel. I work as Director of Innovation and Instructional Support in Fullerton School District, and we are now in Season 4 of the podcast, where we get to know teachers better. Our themes this season are passion, drive, and determination. Join me. Today we talk with Christine Lee, who teaches third grade at Beechwood School in Fullerton School District. Well, Christine, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm really excited about this. All right. Uh, it is uh, Friday. <laughs> it's the best time to record a podcast. It's like, let me go to my weekend. Um, but we have some quotes from people. Uh, and we're going to drop them into the interview with you. And um, we're also going to um, start by, let us know, like, how did your teaching career start? You're at Beachwood now, but, like, where have you been? Um, and what are the kind of different places or stages of your teaching career? Let us know. What, what does that look like? Okay, well, sadly, my experience is not very wide. Okay. <laughs> In that, I, I have to say, I've taught many different grade levels, but all of it has been at Beachwood. Oh, that's fabulous. So, yeah, I, but I'm a product of Fullerton School District. So, I went to okay. Sunset Lane, Parks Junior High, went to Sunny Hills High School. I went to Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. And that's where I got my teaching credential. And I yeah. did some um, work as practicum classes go. And um, I happened to be back when Beachwood reopened, oh. entered back into that um, scene, or yeah. I went into the classroom and um, did some science lessons with yeah. students. And at the time, the principal who reopened Beachwood, Sue Fawson, mm -hmm. was um, my former principal from Sunset Lane. And wow. she we connected and yeah. uh, I interviewed with her and then yeah. the rest is history. Wow. But um, yeah, she hires me and I've been teaching there for 22 years now. Oh my gosh. Right. So I haven't been anywhere she else. She picked so. very well. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's kind of Wow. Good. I think uh, I was just talking to Pablo uh, and actually, I'll drop in the first quote um, because Pablo, who I work with in the Innovation and Instructional Support Office, um, I was asking him about you. And I think the reason it just occurred to me is I think Sue Fawson hired him yes. as well. And so um, I was like, well, t tell me about Christine. And one of the things he said is you're always open to listen. And I don't know what that means. To me, you seem very outgoing and talkative. And I was like, oh. Okay. Do you, does that resonate with you that you're a good listener? Um, I think I've grown as <laughs> okay. a listener. I really value more as a mature and I think experienced teacher is to mm. just stop and to listen, mm. to hear everybody's perspectives, um, not be rash and making decisions of my own. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I think in my in my younger years, I thought I knew everything. All right. And as I <laughs> As I quickly realized, that's not the truth. Yeah. And um, and so I like to listen to other people yeah. and take their wisdom, their advice. Yeah. Their sage advice is so important. Yeah. Um, that's interesting how you said the older and more experienced you get, you're more likely to like sit back and listen. Where does that where does that come from? Was there a, a moment you remember kind of learning that or how do you because that's something, I guess, over time, it can just sort of happen. I think we mellow out a little bit 
But how do you think that happened? Do you have any memories of like, oh yeah, there's a moment where I was like, oh, it's really beneficial to stop and listen. I honestly can't pinpoint a specific memory. Yeah. I just think it's an accumulation of everything as a teacher. It's it we have so there's so many facets to what we do. Yeah. Whether it's communicating with parents, communicating with colleagues, with administrators, um, learning from people who are giving us PD or yeah. So we are constantly needing to take in information and yeah. um, sieve through it. Um, I I think though I in mo I think what I'm trying to get at is I try to just let it simmer for a little bit, like just let it percolate mm. and. Um, whether it's understanding or if it's a situation where I've read an email that seemed like, you know, it, it was almost like targeted at me or something, <laughs> but then I read it again and I think, uh, you know, yeah, that yeah. person's, I under, I try to take that person's perspective and understand yeah. where are they coming from. Um, and I think that it just helps me as a teacher to yeah. proceed um, and avoid a lot of landmines, yeah. things that could potentially, yeah. you know, be upsetting yeah for sure so almost like first step is okay i'm going to assume it's not personal i'm going to look for another perspective Mm -hmm. and we do we're emotionally invested in our work so of course you know we when you're emotionally invested in your work your emotions are engaged and it's easy to take things and kind of read it as like how's this about me um how do you see that happening with students like flip that and go how do you coach students to have whatever grade level it is third grade or what have you more of a listening demeanor because we know kids can be demanding they can always want attention they can always you know want their way but what do you do in the classroom just to facilitate more of a listening approach wow that's a difficult it's such a difficult thing to teach um number one um but like I said, it comes with age. <laughs> and so as third graders go. You're like, they're going to get it next year. <laughs> yeah. No, um, they're getting, I guess, one of the things I try to foster in them is I do listen to them. Mm. Um, sometimes if I'm like in a rush and I don't have time, we have a form that they can fill out and they feel, they feel like I will eventually get to see yeah. what it was that was concerning them. And then so I, at, at the third grade, the third they grade. have a feedback form that right. you can fill out for real. Yes. And so, and then That's, I'll read it and then I'll, wow. I'll be able to address it at a different time yeah. or um, ask them for more details or whatnot. Yeah. Um, that's really helpful. That's been a huge yeah. help for kids. So they feel like they've been listened to. Yeah. Cause they feel so urgent. Like this is bothering them now. And if you're not the one person in the room who's available, then, you know, it could fester, it could be upsetting. Yes. Okay, I'm just curious. Do you, do you just say, okay, go fill out your form, and then they go to their iPad and fill it out, or, or is that yeah, kind of how have, it works? They have a form that they fill out. And yeah. they, yes, they they know that I'm going to see it, and yeah. then they know that I'm going to come back and follow up with them. That's great. Um, other times, where though, like immediate things where they're sitting right in front of me, we're reading a story, and they really, really want to say something. Yeah. Um, they just come with post-it in hand, and they write things down and then they stick it on and they have wonderings and, and you, predictions and I just gather them Yeah. and then we'll talk about them when it's like the right moment. This is fabulous. Um, there's just lots of different. So you've kind of front loaded them with uh, post-it notes and they know I don't have to jump up and raise my hand and interrupt. Yes. I have my notes and I'm gonna make, leave a sticky and they actually during the reading go up and put it down. Oh yeah. So, they, so that's interesting because then they, 
they see you do that and they know that you've seen them give the feedback and that's also like a way for them to feel seen yeah but it's silent and the feedback's going on the post-it it's kind of that's pretty slick (laughs) yeah yeah we love post-its in third grade (laughs) yeah i can imagine in a staff meeting like everybody gets a post-it when you have feedback for the principal just (laughs) people are just sticking stuff on the walls um that's awesome the other things uh well i mean then i guess it's like giving them a chance to talk so mm. I forget about the importance of that, and I, re- I realize that they're hungry for that. Mm. So they mm. need a time to connect. It can't always be 100% quiet. Yeah. You know, it, there are times where they need to move. There are times when they need to speak. There are times when they need to be independent. But yeah. that to really cue in on that and yeah. give them that opportunity to have that outlet. Yeah. Uh, that's really helpful, too. Do you have a favorite speaking activity or... Or like lesson where you're like, I really like their discussions on this topic or what's your favorite? Uh, you know what? No, I, but what we tend to do is like turn to a knee partner. If mm-hmm. you're sitting next to um, a partner or an elbow partner, mm-hmm. um, share with them, tell them. Th- we try to give them a little bit of parameters and before they speak, here's what I want you to talk about. And then walk around and listen. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. I mean, there That's are so great. many cool ways to try to collect. Yeah student feedback and, and yeah. thinking, yeah. exit tickets and all sorts of things. Yeah. And so the partner talk actually satisfies that need for an audience. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are probably some students who really like more than anything, they want the adult's approval. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, any other kind of discussion types of strategies, anything I've never, I hadn't thought about the post-it note one, like, Post-its like given to you during a reading in the real time for later. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Any other kind of talking strategies, discussion strategies, facilitation things? It sounds like a very cool boardroom kind of thing. I'm like, these are third graders. That's yeah. pretty sophisticated. Um, I don't know. It's like everything. I always feel like whatever the need is. Mm. So I'm fe- I read the room, right? And I yeah. know. Oh, they're squirrely. Mm. I got to get them up. Get, they've got to get moving. Right. Otherwise, or or this is such, it all kind of is, I think that's the craziness about being a teacher is you're constantly assessing on the fly. Yeah. And you're like, wait, this is a really important moment. We need to stop and we yeah. need to address oh, what this child has said. It's yeah. gold. And then yeah. that can take the group deeper. Yeah. Um, so it all is just relative to what whatever's happening at that moment. Right. And I don't necessarily use the same thing every time. Yeah. So. So it seems like there's a chance. You said something about like there's gold and we want other people to see it. So the first thing I thought of is equity. Like you're trying to maybe give somebody a voice who doesn't get listened to. Like Mm -hmm. it could be that Mm -hmm. or it could be like the way they said it. Another student will hear it different than the teacher. And so I kind of want to amplify their voice so that another student can receive it. But say more about, because you, you talk about reading the room and stopping, like what are you looking for? Like what sorts of, is it nonverbal things? Or what do you see happening in the classroom where you're like, oh, that's, that's, there's a chance to pause and amplify a student's voice? Or what are you looking for? Well, I'll give you, for instance, right now, so we're doing um, like a deep dive into Patricia Polacco work and okay. um, her literature. And so we're reading stories that really get you thinking and mm. characters who are experiencing um, 
all of our stories have some really big message, some big ideas and um, life lessons. And so when we're at certain parts, I'm reading the room to see like, are they understanding? Are they getting the nuance of that? Mm. Or do I need to interject something here Mm -hmm. and say, hey, notice this. If they're Mm -hmm. noticing it before me, then I'm calling on the kids who are starting to notice it. Mm. And then that's sparking. You can see the lights in the kids' eyes who are like, oh, Mm. I didn't think of that. Mm. And that that discussion that feels much more organic that's happening from the students than me Mm-hmm. being the person who's like listen this is what's going on yeah um is way more powerful i think when it's coming from them yeah and so that's when i will look for um you know faces that look kind of confused or faces yeah. that are looking like oh my gosh i'm i'm you know putting the dots together yeah. here's what's going on yeah um so i'm reading that yeah. I'm meeting on, are they looking tired? Are they up? Are they needing me to put this book away? Are they sleepy? Because <laughs> her book's going to be really lengthy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, fortunately with this group of students that I have this year, they don't want me to put the book away. Yeah. They, they're just like, what? You know, keep going, keep yeah. going, please. They want to read more. And then they're, they're like, give yeah. us another book. So that's really exciting to see. Yeah. Um, that they're beginning to see yeah. a lot of those connections and and ideas. Do you have a favorite way when somebody's like got an expression on their face? Favorite? I don't know. I was thinking frame, but that's probably not like um, like you notice them. And how do you get them to speak up? Do you just say, "Do you want to say something?" Or do you say, "Like, what are you thinking?" Or I don't have a I don't have um, phrases that are just <laughs> perfectly. Yeah, it all depends. Yeah. Like some kids raise their hands, others might right. start to say something, and I'll say what do you want to say? Like, cause yeah. it, I kind of know where I think that's going to lead. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll say, I'll invite that in. Yeah. So it's kind of encouraging if they have a nonverbal, cause a lot of kids will go, they'll sit up like they have an mm-hmm. idea, but then mm-hmm. they'll self monitor and like, Oh, so you're watching for that and say, no, go ahead. Yes. Say it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, how, how would you think that might look not between students, but between adults? Like, let's say you're running a school or you're doing a PLC grade level thing. What do you, what have you seen work well to get adults talking amongst each other openly and sharing ideas and voices? Because that's always, you know, we're, um, you know, sometimes defensive or, or we, we don't know if everybody's receptive or even listening, but what have you seen work well in either PD or staff, uh, interactions to get kind of a, I guess because you're encouraging an openness, mm-hmm. like that you're so attentive that you are reading like a nonverbal cue and say, oh, what do you want to say? So in terms of adult interactions, where have you seen that work well? Honestly, um, where I am, we we love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, and so when, when we're ever in PDs or in staff meetings or things, yeah. it's it's always great when they give us opportunities to talk. Because yeah. we don't always have yeah. to find that time in the day or throughout the week to meet with people. What I really value is the cross-grade level um, articulation meetings okay. where we plan to meet with um, other groups. And, you know, one of the things we, we've done um, recently this year, we looked at different, um, like, critical goals and standards in the areas of language arts and math. Yeah. And then we were to look at grade levels, you know, we... Um, wrote it all on poster boards and the, or paper charts, mm. and then we looked around the room, 
and we visited other grade levels previous to us and then the future grade mm. level. And then we saw so many commonalities and that's just a natural talking point. Yeah. And that gets us into discussing like, what do you see happening there? And yeah. so we're asking questions and um, when we have, I think, a collective need and a collective, yeah. oh my gosh, that's such a big issue that we need to tackle. Right. Then everybody's on board with trying to problem solve, brainstorm, collaborate, yeah. contribute. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think when we're given a, a task where let's do something about it as mm -hmm. teachers. It's just a natural thing that we want to try to solve. Yeah. And then it's, it sounds helpful to have, you have the visual up there and you're just almost, um, it's almost like an, an inquiry. Like mm -hmm. that's what this grade level said. That's what this one said. And that's the next one. And so you're like discovering commonalities. Yes. So it, it kind of provokes curiosity and it's empowering, you right. know, versus somebody talking down to you and saying, this is what we need to, or fix right yeah right. that's cool yeah it is really cool and then from there we come up with areas that we want to target and thinking hey we're noticing this we feel like we maybe don't have um, a strong enough approach with what we've been doing so far if right. it continues to be an area of concern yeah. what could we be doing and so we start looking out out and then people are doing their own um, you know, professional development and seeking out things and going mm. to classes and reading books and yeah. bringing things back and sharing it with the group. And, oh, that's um, great. So I think when it's very like grassroots, yeah. and it, it's wonderful. It could be wonderful. Yeah. Take the word grassroots, which you kind of used for like effective PD and talk about your classroom. Like what's a grassroots? Cause I, I feel like that's what you value and that's probably how you orchestrate things in your classroom you want kids to feel like it's organic what's a good example of grassroots teaching or like using kind of instead of telling them everything you're like okay well I'm gonna create an environment where they can discover something or engage more organically like what do you think of when I describe that hmm. I like to look at math as something like that okay because there's math is it could be so I think perplexing and <laughs> it looks so foreign to them if, if you're given for example a mixed number yeah and then I'm saying let's draw that what does that look like hmm. and then they think they really do have to stop a moment and and I'm not telling them yeah this is how it's to be drawn right so how would you go about drawing that picture yeah and then ideas start to flow and then one person's suggestion or offering of an idea mm. is is like the sparking point for somebody else thinking we take they also know that there's no I try not to um, to the best of my ability say oh yeah you're right and then stop right there for the first right answer right right but I try to get every answer out there even if they are the incorrect or non example because then we'll look at why that yeah. non-example is so important, right? right. So um, I'll take all their answers and then we'll then go back and talk about like, what would that look like, that non-example, if I were to draw it out? Yeah. And then, um, so it's really hard to just talk about it and not have my little whiteboard up here. To show. <laughs> no, but they, they, um, they, they begin to be like, oh, then you start to hear 
their audible sounds of I'm getting it. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll say, let's try another one or we'll yeah. do it and then try it again. So that that gradual release, like their initial idea finding yeah. and then allowing them to try it again with a novel problem mm. and then feel success with that. And then that builds a little bit more confidence. Yeah. And then um, the next time we try it again, yeah. I say, let's put this away. You don't yeah. need to know it today. Yeah. And I said, that was like a little teaser. And so we'll come back and talk about it another day. Yeah. And then we'll try it again. And with, um, they're starting to build that confidence even more. And so the next time I might even just draw a picture and say, how do I name that? And then I'm, I'm trying mm. to change it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think that they like that and they're yeah. feeling more and more like I, re I re can recognize what that might look like. What right. does four and three fourths really look like? Right. Um, yeah. So anyways. It's, it sounds like the th phrase or maybe concept that was coming to me when you're talking about that is, well, a couple things, curiosity, but I was thinking of the word struggle. Like you, like when you say, how would you draw that? And it's math and it's almost like you're giving them a disconnect mm -hmm. and say, kind of struggle through like, like, you know, get your brain engaged. You think of options and not all the options are going to be right, but start just kind of moving your wheels. Yes. Um, so how, how do you, I guess, so if it's true that you provide struggle opportunities, um, and I like how you said, yeah, we tease it out and then we'll put it away and come back to it. So how are you, um, how are you creating those and then discerning like, okay, I need to come back to it. Um, what's your like struggle formula? My struggle formula <laughs> is time. <laughs> if I feel like, um, we've given it a lot of time and I don't mm. feel like more time is going to be beneficial. Mm. Then I just back off and pull away and I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, um, if I feel like, and again, that's depending on them. It's like, it's so organic in that they have, if they're like, Oh, I want to try another one. And mm. people are vocalizing that. Yeah. Then I'll do that. If yeah. I feel like they're ready for that next level, yeah. then I might, um, switch it up to again drawing a picture and saying now try to name that mixed number yeah and now I'm giving them a different yeah. kind of a, a lens so yeah it's all just I think being very um, in the moment yeah uh, there was as you were talking I, I, I kept thinking it's some teachers are more um, oriented towards like I have a list and I'm going to do these 10 things and that's, that's going to take me from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. or whatever. And it's, and then when we check it off and then we can move on and it's more, um, like concrete or, um, black and white or something like that. But you have a definite sense of more like a, um, okay, here's an analogy. Somebody who cooks by a recipe Mm -hmm. Right. And I, it says two thirds a cup. So that's it. No matter what it looks like on the stove, it's two thirds a cup, no more, no less. Mm -hmm. And then somebody who's like looking and responding to how it looks in the pot and are tasting it and like seasoning. So mm -hmm. a little more um, using what's happening in the moment to give you, I guess it's as basic as feedback, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, does that sound, does I that would, resonate? Yeah. When you said that, I was thinking fluidity. <laughs> It's just being fluid. Yeah. Um, and yeah, instead of fixed. Right. Like yeah. being able to just adjust. Yeah. Right. Like taking my cues and then knowing here's where I think it's going to, 
here's an approach I think might be better at this moment. Mm. So a lot of like tricks in the bag, right? Like, or, mm. or for what, for me, music is a huge part of our day too. So, or certain mm. things that I know that's going to stick to their memory because it's to music. Mm. And that's kind of how my brain works. So I tend to think I got to turn it into a song and then, <laughs> and invariably it does. They, yeah. they know, um, like, polygons a, a polygon song um, a more recent one I came up with was it's kind of silly but they all anytime we talk about square numbers now or any mul- now that we're in multiplication in third grade mm-hmm. they all they recognize all of the products of those numbers like seven seven forty nine eight eight sixty four because of the song okay and then there's um, a song there's a song okay yeah is it your song are you asking me no <laughs> like four I am. Okay. Uh, there's like four people we got quotes from five, oh including Pablo. I think they all mentioned singing. Oh yeah, all so, of them. So, say a little bit more about like you you put stuff to a melody, right? It just happens. Just... It just yeah. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I just uh, one year it was way back when we were giving the standardized testing in booklets. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm, yep. I'm aging myself. It's okay. Here. But I was looking at, you know, you can walk around the room and you actually can see the questions that every kid is working on. And there right. was this one geometry question that they were all failing. And I thought, I have, I have failed my students that wow. they did not know this. Yeah. And it was really simple. Yeah. So it was a polygon that looked more like a star, but okay. it was actually an octagon. Mm. Um, but they didn't know how to name it. Yeah. And they were, they were choosing triangle and oh. star and all the wrong choices yeah, and yeah. I was like oh my gosh I was I was beating myself up but as they were testing and I just I just walked around the room a melody came to my mind and it was super califragilistic expialidocious and so I thought oh my let me put the so it came and then I wrote it down really fast so I wouldn't lose it okay but it goes Quadrapenta, hexa, hepta, octa, nana, deca. These are all the prefixes of geometric shapes. So if I memorize these words, I never will forget them. <laughs> polygons, 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 hooray. Right. So, and then when we, I started singing that to the kids and they started memorizing it, yeah. they would um, know all, they would yeah. know yeah. the number that corresponded to the signs. Yeah. Um, this year I came up, or a lot, it was a couple of years ago, but... I sing it to them all. I sing it at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And now I'm like, please don't sing it anymore. Because <laughs> every time someone just starts singing it, humming it under their breath. And then the whole class starts, just breaks out yeah. in song. But it's Which is just, fabulous yeah, when you think about like. It's really fun and like endearing school as too. a musical. Yeah. It actually kind of feels like that. Yeah. But it was um, similar to a tune that I had heard uh, a kid show. Like, I think it's Super Y or something. But the song... Um, I put it to two, two, four, three, three, nine, four, four, sixteen, five, five, twenty, five, six, six, thirty-six, seven, seven, forty-nine, eight, eight, sixty-four, nine, nine, eighty, one, ten, ten, yeah. one hundred. Yeah. And so the kids just love I mean, it doesn't take them long to catch on right. to that melody and then to put it together. And they use that song when they're doing their multiplication facts. Right. Um, so anyways, little yeah. things like that that it sticks with them and it helps them and um, distributive property. We have a song yeah. for that. Commutative <laughs> property. We have all the songs. So, and they all, <laughs> all like the to songs. break out into song. Okay, I'm gonna drop a couple of quotes in here. Um, one is, I think this is from your daughter. I have a quote from your daughter, oh, Josephine. Boy. 
And so she said, uh, a significant moment that showed your drive initiative or passion was when you created an after school chorus. So here's singing, but then a school chorus is like a whole other thing outside the classroom. She says, uh, the school chorus was an idea that co- uh, came to mind for you. And you pursued this idea until it became a legitimate and physical component of Beachwood School. You did this all voluntarily, staying beyond school hours and working at home to create flyers and inform parents. And it goes on. Oh my so gosh. what is the school chorus? It's so funny. <laughs> okay, so... Well, that Emily McDougal, back in the day at Beachwood, um, after school, we kind of put together a little chorus and had all the little babies singing, and we'd do it around the winter time so that they have a little winter performance. Yeah. It was so much fun. Okay. Um, Later, as Beachwood grew, we got different teachers. We had, you know, musical uh, Mary Louise Ace and um, Susan Rue, who got to teach vocal music and then sadly we lost that teacher and there was never mm. anyone to replace her oh. and i just think music is such an important part of all of our lives yeah um and i i think that it's so necessary um just for like mental health <laughs> like how many of us need to listen to music just yeah. to feel a little bit yeah. you know, happier yeah. at the end of the day or relaxed yeah. or whatever and so um I, it was during the coming back to COVID, I just kind of noticed everyone looked a little bit like sad and down and not a lot of smiling faces. And I thought, what is that? And I thought maybe music would change that around. Mm -hmm. So I, I love singing and I wanted the kids to just come and join. Yeah. And, um, I said, okay guys, I'm going to see if they come. I'm going to (laughs) try to make a chorus and (laughs) I'm going to try to make a chorus. And yeah, we did. We met once every week for um several months and then we got they got to perform and they got i I think it's another powerful thing for students to not only sing but to get to be on stage and have an Mm. audience and to feel that energy before you perform even the nerves are okay it's Mm. something that we all have to work with and get used to and get through right um and then to feel the empowerment when they came off the stage when they were like Hey, wow, we did it. Yeah, we survived. We survived. <laughs> that happened again last night because we actually, last night, um, we were invited by Fullerton High School music director. Um, and she had all the junior highs, the feeder schools, also come and participate in her choir oh. performance. And it was at EV Free. Um, our kids, uh, we meet only once a week, 40 mm. minutes, if mm. that. And yeah. You know, we were singing with all the choirs who have yeah. it on a daily like a class. basis, like yeah. a class. And, you know, they they killed it. They did so well. Yeah. And it, they were nervous because you can tell when they heard the other choirs practicing. They were like, whoa. <laughs> there's harmony. There's choreography. And, yeah. And I said, no, you guys are going to do fine. Don't worry. Just yeah. But it's all part of the learning experience, too. And it's to know there are people better than us. Yeah. And that's what we're shooting for. You know, right. like it's OK yeah. to know that we're we're novices at something and yeah. we're just but we're here because we love it. And yeah. um, it's been really great. So it's grown. Last year was just a semester worth and mm-hmm. a smaller group. And a former student came to me last night and said, whoa, Mrs. Lee, this is a big group. And I said, I know, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> and uh, and then I even extended it to a second chorus where we have third through fifth graders. Oh, wow. Um, who also another big group, and we had a combined yeah. performance. But anyways, it's um, 
people might think, oh my gosh, how could you do that? That's so crazy. You're, you're working and then you could And then you're working. But I honestly have to say that I get more energy from that mm. after having worked with them. And I feel like I can go home and do even more. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible, yeah. like a natural high that yeah. you get, those endorphins, the happy feelings. That, and that's also why I believe everybody should sing because there are mm. happy feelings yeah. that you, you get. Yeah. It, it like, you know, really. Yeah. That's great. So it's almost, um, it's almost like a, a social emotional learning. Mm -hmm. It's not a curriculum for that, but it's an experience that you're giving people is like in this moment, you get to kind of lose yourself and, and disconnect from worries and just lose yourself in the music, you know? Right. And last year's group, the middle schoolers were, they were the ones I started with. Um, you know, I asked them, how many of you guys actually raise your hand in class or talk or do any of that? And none of them raise their hands wow. because I think, you know, they're in their classes. There's very little um, time in each class. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of content yeah. to cover. And then and some of them actually, I think, shy away from speaking, yeah. and don't volunteer a lot. And yet they were sitting here in chorus and they were loud and, and bubbly yeah. and yeah. laughing. We shared about like our likes and our dislikes and um, just to kind of get to know one yeah. another. And they yeah. grew as a group. So having a cohort of friends who are not just your grade level, but everybody had this common value that we just, we love music. Um, at the end of the time, they had grown closer and they had this camaraderie and we even had a party. <laughs> that was just lots of fun. We, you know, ate, what did we have? Um, ramen, <laughs> poured a little hot water, yeah. bought them some yummy treats. And then it, it's just that, that well-being that comes from being with people. Yeah. Being with a group of people and having fun. Yeah. I'm going to read you a quote here. Uh, this is from Blair, uh, Blair okay. Campbell. Uh, she says, you're passionate about so many things. Teaching, first of all. Wow. You're a true inspiration. Uh, she says she was lucky to work in third grade with you for five years. It was the dream team. And she says you would come up with these brilliant ideas, whether it was a beautiful art project or an author study or fun mu math music video that you insisted on making for the kids. Ask her about We Are Family. Do you know the rest of it? Yeah. She's so funny. Tell me. Nancy Reggett's worked with us at the time. She's now uh -huh. Acacia. <laughs> and, um, Tell me about We, we Are Family. We were, t we were teaching about fractions, decimals, yeah. and percents. Yep, yep. And so they are the triplets is what we call them. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I come up with like visuals like um, Desi, decimal, um, likes to wear a belt. <laughs> no, no, sorry. The decimal <laughs> likes to wear dots. All, sorry, dots all over, polka dots. Yeah. Um, percent, Percy likes to wear a sash okay. across that oh, looks like, like the percentage. percent yeah. sign. And then um, fraction is the one who likes to wear the belt. The oh, numerator. Yeah, to delineate oh, yeah. the top and the bottom. That's clever. And I've never heard anything like that. I know. It's kind of crazy. So then we acted like we were the triplets. Oh, wow. And um, we went on a playground. <laughs> <laughs> and we were swinging and sliding and we made a music video to <laughs> We Are Family, okay. Fraction Decimal Percent. That was yeah. the song. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, so it, it's more than music. It's There's this element of you're bringing these concepts to life in sort of like a personified way. You or know? stories. Or yeah. stories. Yeah. And the visual part of it, like the, the percent looks like the sash. Yeah, that's yeah. clever. I just think the more we can make things unforgettable, 
Yeah. Like quirky, strange, odd. Yeah. Those kinds of moments. Yeah. Are the things that will stick in our students' minds. Yeah. So whether it embarrasses me or not, I don't care. <laughs> where where did did you do you think that's something you've always had? Did you have an experience like that growing up where you're like, oh, that was so weird, I'll never forget it. Like where does that? Because I don't know that I would have used like quirky and odd and unforget like unforgettable, memorable, yes, but quirky and odd. Like you seem very like together, professional, oh, confident. <laughs> and then when you say quirky and odd, I'm like, but no, those are those are words I don't fit with you. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so funny. So how do you before teaching even do you do you remember? I'm kind of a crazy. I th I think of myself as crazy, and okay. <laughs> and I think some of the people who quoted in there might yeah. even say that too. Because um, my other friend likes to say, reel it in, Christine, reel it in. <laughs> Your principal says, uh, you're a creative soul. Okay. That's nice. Musically talented with the voice of an angel. Oh, my gosh. That's what she said. She didn't say crazy. But, okay. <laughs> but, but keep going. She talks about putting teaching points in the songs. But where is that craziness? Do you, re do you have an earliest memory of like, oh, I remember I was really, you know. Okay. So my one of the funnest things I did in school was I was Calamity Jane. Okay. In a school play at Okay, okay. As a fourth grader. Yeah. And I thought, and I had no idea <laughs> how funny that must look as a little Asian girl speaking, and I did the whole accent and everything yeah. okay. for the entire show. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where that came from. So it, Wow. I, I don't know. And then I even remember at uh, the end when we did, as a sixth grader, I wanted to be the master of ceremonies for um, our student talent show. Yeah. Were you? I was. You were? <laughs> I did. I don't even know how. So this how. goes way back. It does. That's and awesome. I think, man, I had, I guess, gumption um, and no fear of what people yeah. might think of me. I had also in high school a really weird fashion sense. That now I thought, now I think back and I think, why didn't they tell me that was, <laughs> that's what it looked like? And I might not. What? Like, I used to wear... Um, suit jackets in high school with on the lapel there were like little the suit flowers. jacket you're wearing right now okay <laughs> but it had like little flowers okay. flowers all over the lapel sounds <laughs> cute or i <laughs> anyways i had these big thick glasses that people used to call me run dmc <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh and it wasn't because i necessarily was trying to make a huge fashion statement because without when i when the dose the lenses weren't in the glasses. I couldn't see. So <laughs> <laughs> they put these frames on and I was like nearly blind. Oh my gosh. And they would say, oh, it looks good on you. And I'd say, okay, sure. And then I'd get them and I'd be wearing these glasses for oh years and years and years. So you, you always had sort of a, what was it, gumption? Is that the word you used? Yeah. Sort of like a, and but you also had no fear. So what, try to think, wait, where did that come from? I don't, I don't know. You said, I don't know where that came from. Um, but were there performers in your house? I don't know. Like people who were just like, go for it. You can be anything you want to be. Or what's your earliest memory seeing somebody who was like that? Do you have a role I, model? You're like, oh, yeah, that's. I don't know. But be, OK, so a couple of things. The first thing is my mom actually um, went to in college she was a music major and she oh, okay. was a singer but she never did anything with that okay. afterwards like okay. unless she was in a church choir right but um she would make us sing in front of everybody mm -hmm. like oh. at, 
go to a family meeting and then she'd make us sing. And we were forced. Yeah. I don't ever think I had a choice. Yeah. So I was forced to sing and she would make us harmonize. And so harmony was something I could do from a young age. Yeah. Um, I was, I liked to perform, I think maybe because Mm. of that. Yeah. But then we were also latchkey kids and we watched a ton of TV. Okay. (laughs) Gilligan's Island. I remember like wanting to be on that show or. (laughs) Okay. We have your moment. (laughs) My psychoanalysis is complete. But all right. So lots of shows that we watched. Yeah that I think I learned from. Um, actually, that's probably where I learned yeah, a lot of my English because yeah. um, my parents spoke mostly Korean with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, we had limited ability to communicate. English was my first language, um, but not with them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that how somehow, somehow what I, I see you seeing yourself as is like you're, I'm a director of a variety show you know, the classroom, the, 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 you know, the NPR, like we're all trying to make this big Gilligan's Island moment. Yes. That's just entertaining. Yeah. You, it, everyone's absolutely engaged and you know, the whole world is, it can be funny. It can be ridiculous. It can be musical. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I guess that's it awesome. is a variety show. <laughs> but I think most teachers might feel that way anyways, because you're, you're, you're having the, the show hats. with all the different yeah. hats and the, yeah. all the moving parts, and you're yeah. kind of everybody. Yeah. Okay, I want to make sure I don't overlook uh, a quote from Kate Paul. Okay. Um, so specifically, something she brought up that wasn't mentioned in the other quotes, she talked about Gate Creative Lab mm. after school, two days a week. So you're already doing course after school but gate creative lab is different yeah so at Beachwood, what, is, what does that look like we have a large cluster of students okay who are identified as gate but they um you know they're in a cluster so they're not in like a traditional gate program and a gate class okay so um at beachwood we offer like an after school enrichment type of a thing and okay. so charles toy is actually a part of that he teaches the math component he's been doing it for years um but because this particular year we had so many students there's Mm. no way he could have 50 students in his classroom after school right so we used our little creative you know planning here came up with an idea that charles would teach two times a week you know his two days and then um i'm sorry a week and then we would alternate with another teacher and myself now because of my other commitments to doing chorus, I couldn't teach all week. Right, and so right. a new fabulous teacher at our school, Megan Lubinacci, came in and um, she's an amazing teacher. And I'm like, you're so good at literature. We could, in technology, she also has her um, degree in tech. So we were like, well, we, we can make something work here. And we yeah. created an, a little class basically yeah. where we're trying to infuse technology, literature, art, wow. um, and other I, anything you yeah. know, related to gate that we can put together that's not the math piece. And yeah, so we're meeting, trying to meet the needs of the students um, in that way. So she and I, cha- we alternate. She yeah. teaches two days, I teach two days. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm also gonna, um, I think we're gonna wrap it up here in a second with uh, a quote from Kate, which is also, I just remember the other thing that Pablo said and um kate says she's the true meaning for someone who is humble and kind and pablo said that you are always open to listen but he is always he said you're a kind person 
What does it mean to be a kind person? That I think I also learn from others. Like mm. I look at, um, through the years, people who have just, they show acts of kindness and I look at that and I think, I want to do that. Mm. I want to be that. And so I just, I try to, you know, make it happen, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, Kate is actually the, the one I'm learning from a ton. She is so kind. <laughs> it's funny that she says that because she's the one I, I'm telling her, you teach me so much about being a caring mm. person, a mother, a teacher. Yeah. Um, the kind words that she uses towards her students or mm. the kind thing, the kind gestures that she does. Um, my other colleagues, and good, they're all good friends of mine, but I see their kindness day in and day out, like mm. over the top kindness. Mm. And I'm like, I am learning from them. So I just, I think I'm a reflection of what other people <laughs> have done before me. I yeah. don't think anything has been my own original idea. Um, but I, I think that that's such an important thing to model for mm. our students yeah. and um, to live. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I wore the shirt for you. You did. <laughs> Love first, first, teach second. Oh, um, there was a quote in here about t-shirts. Oh, (laughs) I was ready to wrap it up, but it says, um, this is from Blair. Okay. I asked for a significant moment. She said there are hundreds of significant moments. I'll touch on one in third grade. Uh, we decide, uh, we, for a phrase or word to focus on with our students, we did be kind, be you, humble and kind, and then design shirts for right. the kids to wear. Um, and then there's a performance at the flagpole assembly. My favorite was the year we did be you. She taught the students how to sing the song from the greatest showman. This is me. And then we performed and you could feel everyone's goosebumps. You remember uh, that? Yeah. Yeah. They're, that group of students are now seventh graders, and a lot of them are in our chorus again. Oh like, wow! That's um, that's it's awesome. True. Yeah. We try to we try to take one song and a theme for the year. Oh, that's cool. And then our kids, um, we try to live it out, yeah. and in everything we do, try to to see it and yeah. spot it and catch it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then we make shirts. But actually, it ends up becoming a part of our uh, foundations. Um, Money like raising. Yeah. It's a fundraising. So the kids all, you know, who can purchase a shirt and then that goes towards our foundation. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And it's interesting that music is in there to kind of root that theme, <laughs> you know, because it's so much a, a part of you and what you bring to Beachwood. So that's great. This has been really great. Thanks, Christine, for, Thank for coming on the podcast and talking to us. <laughs> If you you can't see that, but she just shrugged (laughs) like, "Ah, this is all I had. It It was great. (laughs) It was awesome. It was awesome. Thank you. This has been the Teacher Interview Podcast. Thank you for joining us.